Everything okay? You sound out of breath. <laughs> well, I've, been, I've had to like run from the top floor all the way into the basement and then back up because uh, you know we're we're starting our mad dash to packing as Ooh. we head towards uh, our big move. Sixteen days from right now. Oh boy! So yeah. when when is that? Is that beginning of August? The twenty eighth of July. Okay. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's moving day. The twenty fourth is closing day, and then from the twenty fourth until the twenty eighth, I'm basically going to be moving as much as I can by myself, <laughs> um, so that the move itself is is as cheap as possible. Now, what you said, it was like literally a couple blocks away. Not even a couple, just one. I mean, it, like we can see it from basically the house we're in right now. <laughs> so, are, are you just walking boxes down in those four days, or are you like taking them in the car? I'll probably at least, you know, take a CRV load worth <laughs> each time and just drive it around the corner. And but stuff like the grill, like I'm seriously just going to roll that through the park that you know <laughs> separates the two houses. And that's the thing, like. We're 835 and we're moving into a 735. So they're like really just like, yeah, block away, like literally a block away. So yeah, pretty handy, but also, you know, it's, it's weird too. (laughs) Yeah, I know. uh, We actually just uh, met one of our new neighbors. Uh, I mean, we, we, we've really only met like the people uh, actually sharing a fence with us since this because of the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, but we met the guy across the street from us the other day, and he says they moved into the house they're currently in uh, from living literally right next door because the wow. house they're living in now was their mom's, and then she moved away after she remarried, and like his wife's dad died. Uh, so then uh, they bought her house, and he, he just like walked boxes. <laughs> like... It, it's it's literally 20 feet away. I'm sure that's what I'd do if it was like right next door. I have no problem doing that. But because it's like around, you know, there's, you know. And a, it's just it, so hot. Yeah. And essentially down a <laughs> giant hill as well. That's the other problem with it. Like I'm already dealing with 25 steps out of the thing to ground level from our house. <laughs> And then I'd have to like walk down another steep hill. So I, yeah, I'm gonna load up the car as much as I can, and I'm hoping that with, by the time the movers get here, there's just like big furniture and and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, so we'll see. All right, should we get going? Yeah, let's get started. All right, welcome to No Hugging, No Learning. It's a show about one thing: watching Seinfeld for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hollowell. And today we will be talking about season six, episode eighteen, the Jimmy. And before that, though, we did have some. We had uh, kind of a lot of homework. Did uh, we? And that's, okay. Yeah, from from last week's episode to go over. First, uh, let's talk about the cha cha song that is playing while <laughs> Frank is trying on the bro prototype for the first time with Kramer uh, when George and his mom walk in. And yeah, you I, I had it, the I had the idea that it sounds like the original like swing song that Senorita must have sampled because it it has the same tune of bam 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 bam. Was, yeah. was I right? And, well, Senorita lists no samples or or co-writers outside of the original composers, which I was kind of surprised. I was like, oh, you know what? I bet they did crib an original because it just has such a, um, you know, it has that, you know, cha-cha flavor. Like, oh, it must have been some, you know, something. But I guess it just sounds like cha-cha in the way that old that all blues songs use the same chord progression, but they're not really ripoffs of each other, you know? Okay. So Senorita doesn't have, you know, it, it doesn't contain any samples or anything as far as I could tell. But you're right. This song does sound like senorita when i went back and listened to it it's actually uh, a song by a guy named wally scott and it's called anyone for cha 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 and thank you uh yahoo answers for coming through in the clutch with that 
because before I went to, I, I threatened to go to the Seinfeld subreddit, you might remember, but I was like, well, let me just search, see if anyone's, you know, figured it out already. And sure enough, like, I don't remember when this, uh, you know, question or answer <laughs> was posted, but, but there you go. It was actually very helpful. And it's called, I don't know what year I couldn't find any other information besides Wally, Wally Stott. Sorry, not Wally Scott, Wally Stott. S O S T O T T. Anyone for cha cha cha. And it's up on YouTube. You can listen to it, but sure enough. Yeah. It's pop, 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 pop. <laughs> and then after that, it goes on to something different. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. But but sure enough, the the first I, I don't know. I think Wally Stott's estate has a case if they want to go after you know uh, Sean Mendez yeah. and Camila Cabello <laughs> and everybody else involved. <laughs> I yeah. mean, look if if uh, who was it? Did Marvin Gaye sue Ed Sheeran? Is that what it was? He should have, in my opinion. But Marvin Gaye sued uh, the writers of Blurred Lines, including Robin Thicke. That's right. Okay, yeah. And I'm like, what? Thinking out loud is just the exact same rhythm and notes and chords and everything as Let's Get It On. And yet you sue this guy because he like just just the kind of idea of the songs. There was like kind of crowd noise in the background and like the cowbell sound and the and. I was like, that's just yeah. There, there's uh, there's much more of a case with Ed Sheeran than I think with uh, with Robin Thicke. Yeah, I could not believe that they won that case because it's just so. Yeah, I was like, well, that makes that that if anybody did a, did a live recording, they can sue anybody that had a live recording after that because oh, you used audience in your sound, and audience was in my sound too. Like it just it was just weird. It just had the same feel as the composition, and I can't believe that they won that case. It was crazy. Yeah, because, because thinking out loud, you can literally sing along, let's get it on, to thinking out loud. So anyway, uh, what else we got? Oh, J. Edgar Hoover. We just wanted to do, there's there's a lot of, George references a lot of uh, famous cross-dressers in history and, and pop culture references like that when he finds out his dad is wearing uh, support. And so uh, just regarding J. Edgar Hoover and the, because I knew just growing up in the 90s that it, it was kind of a tongue-in-cheek. Anytime <laughs> J. Edgar Hoover's name popped up it was always in reference to someone cross-dressing so uh in his biography official and confidential the secret life of j edgar hoover journalist anthony summers quoted society divorcee susan rosensteel as claiming to have seen hoover engaging in cross-dressing in the 1950s at all male parties Uh, and so the fact that he was possibly homosexual you know just like shockwaves went through washington and stuff like that and summers alleged that So the guy who wrote this biography alleged that the mafia had blackmail material on Hoover, which made Hoover reluctant to pursue organized crime aggressively. Although never corroborated, the allegation of cross-dressing has been widely repeated in the words of author Thomas Doherty. For American popular culture, the image of the Zaftig FBI director as a Christine Jorgensen wannabe, I don't even get that reference, (laughs) but I didn't look it up, was too delicious not to savor. And biographer Kenneth Ackerman says that Summers' accusations have been widely debunked by historians so whether or not they're true or not supposedly uh susan rosenstiel was like convicted of perjury later on for something else and so that you know her her word she was basically the only one who said that i saw this like that's widely been kind of she's not a great source in other words and also the fact that like the fact that j edgar hoover would have been so buttoned up and secretive in his own life and then all of a sudden would like go out on weekends and just not care who saw him dressed as a woman in the <laughs> 1950s is kind of out of character for anybody in the 1950s. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> it just seemed kind of like, well, I don't know. It doesn't make much sense that he'd be so careless in his personal life, but <laughs> um, but so secretive in, in all other aspects. So that's all I know about uh, J. Edgar Hoover and, and cross-dressing. The other big reference that George made was to The Crying Game, which is a movie, again, Ted, that you hadn't heard of or you weren't familiar with. Mm-hmm. 
so it's a 1992 thriller film written and directed by Neil Jordan, and it follows Fergus, a member of the IRA, the Irish Republican Army, who uh, has a brief but meaningful encounter with a British soldier named Jody, played by Forrest Whitaker, who is being held prisoner by the group. Fergus later develops an unexpected romantic relationship with Jody's lover, Dill, whom Fergus promised Jody he would t- take care of. Fergus is forced to decide between what he wants and what his nature dictates he must do. Uh, Dill ends up in the movie, so Jody's lover uh, ends up revealing that she is transgender, and a memorable advertising campaign generated intense public curiosity by asking audiences not to reveal the film's secret regarding Dill's gender identity. Uh, but then it became sort of an open joke like kind of like with uh the sixth sense you know everybody knows the ending to that now even though Mm. in the first few months it was like don't tell anyone the secret of you know what's really going on in the movie um it was it was that kind of thing but now you can now when you say crying game people of a certain age obviously know oh it's something regarding you know someone cross-dressing or trans so for instance when i brought it up in um I, i remember it I think the only reason I knew about it was because of Ace Ventura. And have you you haven't seen that movie, right? No, no. Well, never mind. I was gonna <laughs> I was gonna totally spoil it. But anyway, that the, the crying game comes up in that movie, and the and the theme song is even played for for laughs and and stuff like that. So the crying game itself, though, was nominated for six Academy Awards, including Best Picture and Best Actor and Best Supporting Actor for Dill, who was played by Jay Davidson, uh, who does do full frontal in the movie during the big reveal, during the big surprise reveal. Um, and I think that also caught the public kind of off guard, too, because male full frontal nudity is still a rarity, mm-hmm. you know, no matter where, you know, on TV and R-rated movies or whatever. Like, so um, the fact that you also saw his junk and it turns out that the character is transgender was like just for 1992. People's heads were exploding. Yeah, I bet. Um, but uh, the writer director won the Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay. So oh, wow. there you go. Uh, we also wanted to know about Banlon. I think this is the last bit of homework. Yeah. Banlon, B-A-N hyphen L-O-N, capital B, capital L, yeah, I know, is a trademarked multi-strand continuous filament synthetic yarn used in retail clothing industry. And I think we were hypothesizing that it's probably something like spandex or whatever, you know, but it's just a different brand of spandex, it sounds like. Oh, okay. Yeah, I had had drawn the similarity to Under Armour. Under Armour, yeah, yeah. So that it was like tight, form-fitting, mm-hmm. synthetic stuff. And it became popular for outerwear, swimsuits, sweaters, and uh, pantyhose. And it's, it's frequently associated with the 1950s and 60s American clothing and culture. And so this is kind of funny. Like, there's a couple of pop culture references, one of which is Seinfeld. And I love this. I got this from Wikipedia. And it <laughs> says, in an episode of NBC's Seinfeld, Frank Costanza said that because of his man breasts, he wouldn't be caught dead in Banlon. And then brackets, citation needed. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what? You don't, someone would just go in and make that up? <laughs> An episode of Seinfeld. There, I cited it. <laughs> like, how, how, how would you cite that? Like, li- literally just link to it on Hulu, maybe? I guess you literally have to, like, put maybe the IMDb page, like, season. With, with the quote. Whatever it would be. Season, yeah. Oh, my season God. Season six, episode 17. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> because, sure enough, the next one does have a citation. I, I didn't save it, but it would have answered your question, I guess. In the film, Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion. Have you ever seen that? No. 
Okay, I've never seen it. Are you familiar with it? I've I've heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Lisa from Friends, and then the other person. I don't even know. <laughs> I could probably come up with it if I had a second or two. But <laughs> Michelle comments, "How am I going to impress anybody by selling Banlon socks at Bargain Mart?" So that's another <laughs> Banlon uh, pop culture reference. Maybe the only other one. <laughs> that's it. Those are the two. <laughs> yeah, those are the two, and only one is properly cited. We do, we can't even say if the Seinfeld one is real. <laughs> I do have a couple of other trivia bits from the episode as well. Uh, the scene where Kramer is pursued by German tourists was added by Larry David. And, uh, okay, this is this was kind of homework slash a question. Oh, this is what I threatened to go to the, uh, the Seinfeld subreddit with. Okay, so remember the end of the episode. I was like, is this a parody of something? The score is very cinematic. The oh, camera yeah, moves yeah. are very, yeah. Okay, so that is a parody of a scene from Marathon Man. What? Uh, yeah. Oh, have you ever heard of this? I no, I haven't. But that's out of okay. nowhere. It seems like. Yeah, it is really weird. It, it it's it's apropos of nothing. It's a complete non sequitur parody. But Larry David wanted to put it in there. And Marathon Man is a 1976 suspense thriller. The only thing I know about it is it has Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> and in the film, Babe Babe Levy, who I think Hoffman plays, yeah, a graduate student, becomes embroiled in a plot by Nazi war criminal Christian Zell, played by Lawrence Olivier to retrieve stolen diamonds from a safety deposit box owned by Zell's dead brother. And the only thing I know about it is there's like a torture scene involving a dentist, I believe. But besides that, I, I'm pretty clueless on on Marathon Man. But evidently, this was a, a, a hilarious send-up of it, courtesy of Larry <laughs> David. <laughs> okay, jeez. Yeah, I know. What a, what a waste of a cultural reference, you know? It's like completely lost. Even if you got it, what would you think it's funny? They didn't, they didn't do anything to set this no, up. no. Yeah, like even if you're a huge Marathon Man fan, would you have gotten like would you have thought this was like a good use of of, a, of that reference? <laughs> if if you're a huge Marathon Man fan, are are you watching an episode of Seinfeld? And if so, you're like, wait, what? Why is why is this happening? Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Well, I I like the movie, but this is out of place. I seems unnecessary. <laughs> uh, the bro versus the man's ear argument that Kramer and Frank have in the episode is based on a real argument during the episode's writing. Tom Gamble and Max Prost wrote this and they used the bro in the script, but Larry David liked the man's ear. He thought that would be funnier. And so they just wrote that discrepancy into the, into the episode, hmm. which is pretty funny. Yeah. yeah. I like that. I, I like how it's based on something, something that actually happened. Yeah. They came up with two funny names. <laughs> like, well, let's just use both of them. I love it. Uh, the, uh, which one do you think is funnier by the way, the bro or the man's ear, the bro, the bro, bro for sure. I feel like it's not descriptive enough. Like if you say man's ear, well, but like brazier is also kind of an outdated term. But if you said like if you ask somebody what the bro is, they wouldn't necessarily know. But if you said man's ear, the zier in there might give them more of a clue. So I think man's ear is a better descriptive name. But the bro, I guess, is funnier the, the, if you the, know the what bro, it is. The bro would definitely be a better branding name other than yes. man's ear. Especially like imagine. Okay, we're both in the world of radio. Imagine a radio ad spelling go to manzeer.com. You're gonna have to <laughs> yeah, buy yeah. five fucking URLs just so <laughs> like that are all misspelled just so people can go to your website. But you go to bro.com and you're good. Yes, exactly. Or T-H-E-B-R-O dot com. Yeah. Go to thebro.com. <laughs> use no hugging in the offer code. And we'll send you a free man's ear. <laughs> <laughs> or even better, the URL is the bro and the product is called the man's ear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'm getting mixed signals here, guys. <laughs> yeah, decide decide what you figure out what you do. You have all summer. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> the doorman was played by Larry Miller, as we know in, in this episode. And I like this in in I need how about I need citation needed for this Wikipedia. <laughs> Jerry Seinfeld's best friend. What do you what, what do you mean? I know. What? <laughs> I know. I think it's so funny when adults are referred to as having best friends. Like you're my I want to see Jerry Seinfeld like I do need a citation. Like you're my best friend. Larry Miller's my best friend. <laughs> like you're an adult man. I think even Jerry Seinfeld would say, "I don't have a best friend." What are you talking about? <laughs> I feel like that's an episode. I feel like that would be an episode. You yeah, know, like yeah. someone someone refers to Jerry as being like uh like like they call Jerry their best friend. And it's like I'm I'm <laughs> I'm his best friend. He's not my best friend. I don't want to be his best friend. Yeah, yeah. I, feel I, like I, I can picture. I can picture the back and forth right now. I feel like we almost got to that in when um, Keith Hernandez is like overestimating their friendship, asking them to move or something. They're not on the same page as far as friendship goes. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. But I, but I like that. That I mean, yeah, the best friend. I, <laughs> I, it, it does seem like something right out of Seinfeld's universe. <laughs> Um, but Larry Miller, I think I mentioned this last week, he auditioned for the part of George Costanza, and he, evidently he was one of the two finalists, but I guess he's not good enough friends, I guess he's not the best best friend with Jerry, or maybe he would have gotten it, um, but Max Prost, one of the writers, worked as a doorman one summer, and he once saw a doorman he worked with standing outside his own apartment building, which he thought was insane, and that inspired Jerry's street encounter with oh. the doorman, I guess. But he's not standing outside to work it. He's standing outside just to, well, really, I think just to mess with Jerry. But either um, that, or I, I could definitely see like him standing outside to smoke or something. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I, I don't know what the rules of like showing someone smoking on network TV in the early '90s are. Yeah, we know we know Kramer's done it a ton. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Like. You're right. Yeah. I've seen him. Um, but yeah, I don't. Uh, I feel like he might have even been waiting for Jerry or just getting some fresh air or something. That's just, true. It, it's weird to think that like just a doorman can't stand outside of his own building and that's as a quote from the writer insane that's insane Jesus. <laughs> the dim lighting and dialogue style and scene where jerry and elaine discuss how to escape blame for the stolen couch were designed evidently to evoke the film noir genre and i kind of mentioned how elaine starts talking like a hard-boiled detective from a you know an, an old gritty noir um, the scene with George, I, and I, I saw this happening too, and I meant to bring it up. The scene with George in bed with his dad at the end required numerous takes because Jason Alexander kept cracking up with laughter every time Jerry Stiller offered him Kasha. And I could tell that, like, I could tell in the way that Frank just, like, was so stone faced, like Kasha, and putting the, and then some of it even falls off the spoon, and they both kind of, I don't even know if Frank breaks eye contact. Jer, uh, I mean, George looks down at the bed. And I could see, like, I could see him almost breaking in that instance, but he picks it up and, like, sprinkles it back into the bowl. And oh they were just God. like, I think I could, t- I, could I, th- I could feel the tension of, like, him trying not to break in that instance. So <laughs> I don't know what take that was, but it makes total sense. Um, and I think that's all I got. All right. Uh, did we have any other news or anything? Uh, no, no news. Okay, so if you have never listened to us before, we are not a research-heavy show. Uh, we like to have these questions pop up naturally uh, through our run in the episode and answer answer them the week after as though we are assigning homework to ourselves. 
I've never seen these episodes before, watching them for the first time ever. Uh, Tim has seen all these episodes, but never in chronological order. You know the rest, uh, blah, 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 blah. Lifelong fan for years. Yeah, lifelong fan for years, that whole thing. Uh, if you, uh, if we miss something, if we egregiously skip over anything, please send us an email, send us a tweet, at NoHugging on Twitter, or NoHuggingNoLearningShow at gmail.com. Both of those links are in the description, or on the show description page on Apple Podcasts. Uh, if you like what you hear, please give us a five-star rating and a written review on on Apple Podcasts, and we will send you a No Hugging, No Learning sticker free of charge. We just need your address. Or if you want to leave us a five-star rating on any other platform, we just need you to send us a screenshot just showing us where it's at so we can go read it. Shout out to, and if I did this last week, I will cut this out. Shout out to Christina Backnick and Nick Kudla. They uh, emailed us uh, asking for some stickers. Actually, Nick emailed us a while ago, but he actually lives in New York City. Um, But the uh, building that he lives in, he didn't give us the apartment number. So that that got returned to me. I emailed him back. He's like, oh, yeah, I totally forgot. It's apartment blah, blah, blah. And I I think I have a doorman. (laughs) No, I guess not. Uh, So I I think he finally got that. Um, So. Without further ado, Season 6, Episode 18, The Jimmy, original air date, March 16th, 1995. Uh, I was two years, two months, and 24 days old. And if you count this episode and every other episode before, or every other episode that we have (laughs) left, we've got 72 episodes until we become a, I don't know, what do we become this week? What are we, uh, cha-cha review podcast? (laughs) Oh, God. We, we, We become a... Uh, exclusively Cha Cha Music Review Podcast. Yeah. So unsigned Cha Cha band, send us your, you know, <laughs> send us your demos, send us your MP3s. We'll play them. We will. <laughs> so if you're looking at a TV guide the night of March 16th, 95, you are going to see George's new basketball teammate brings him into a new business deal. Hmm. Okay. We'll see if we can make it better at the end. Uh, we start with a stand-up bit as usual. This is about buying shoes and how when you're trying them on, you turn into a zombie where you... And I, I got to agree with this. You try to walk normal when you're trying on shoes, but you, you're not really. You're like feeling out just how heavy your footsteps can be. Where you know, So you do kind of zone out when you're trying on, on shoes, which is pretty funny. Mm-hmm. And also, I, I agree with Jerry. What's with the one-foot-high mirror? I, I kind of agree with that, too. Like, that's all you want to see when you see... He's like, what is this, the cat's point of view or, like, a homeless person passed out on the street? Like, what what point of view is that? And I was like, oh, yeah, why don't they show us? Because you want to see how they look with your whole getup, you know, not just the bottom of your pants. So, yeah, that's that's a good point. I, I kind of like this bit. <laughs> we open to the New York Health Club, and we're in the locker room. George is raving about his teammate for the basketball game, I guess, everybody just played, and that's Jimmy. And Jerry hates the fact that Jimmy refers to himself in the third person. Jimmy's going to slam dunk. Jimmy's going to pass. Jimmy comes in, and he's wearing training shoes that he actually sells, but he's all out. And, and this is how he's able to jump so high, one of the things that really impressed George. And George wants a pair of the training shoes. And, uh, you know, so Jimmy, you know, as as soon as a shipment comes in, he's like, let me in on those. Meanwhile, George's shower didn't take. And Wilhelm (laughs) called a staff meeting that he just knows he's going to sweat through. Have you ever had this happen? I hate this feeling. No, I've never I've never (sighs) like if I shower, I shower, you know, like 
Did, did George like only get in the shower and rinse off? Did he not like actually wash himself? This happens to me. For example, if I if I'm very like I'm outside mowing the lawn and I come inside and I jump right in the shower, that shower will not take. I have really? to cool down first, then get in the shower. Yes. See, yeah. in in that instance, I just take a cold shower. I, I probably should do that. Yeah, but even that, I feel like well, I I want like I want to dry off before I get nice you know clean water on me so that I, I know that shower will not take so i'll come in and cool off and get a drink of water and then as soon as i'm you know back to room temp then i'll jump in the shower and it won't take also living in the south now they're in new york city obviously but you know those summers still get hot there. living in the south this will happen too you know you'll shower and you'll go outside too quickly after you shower. Mm. like I, he might have gotten dressed too soon that might have been another problem too and then you don't have time, you know. Uh, and again, that can be solved by ending with a, a cold blast of, of water, which I, I, I have done uh, in the past. You know, like I'll end with a nice cold shower and that'll like, I don't know, supposedly it's good for the pores or something like that. But um, yeah, in those two instances, if you if I jump out of the shower and get dressed too fast, like I'll just keep sweating and then you go outside in the heat as well and humidity. Yeah, that's that's miserable. And in those two instances, uh, my shower will not take. So I've had that. I, I know I knew this feeling all too well from from george uh meanwhile jerry has an appointment with tim watley the dentist and he's brushing his teeth before it and kramer says you're not supposed to brush 24 hours before going to the dentist <laughs> and jerry's like no you're thinking of not eating 24 hours before surgery and kramer's like no you gotta eat before surgery you need your strength <laughs> which is uh oh my god totally the opposite <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> um i always I, I, everybody brushes before the dentist i don't yeah. know who doesn't but but i feel like it's cramming before a big test that you didn't study for you mm -hmm. know yeah like if, <laughs> like if you way. if you've only brushed like three times a week for the last six months then br brushing <laughs> right before you leave to go to the dentist ain't gonna do anything yeah it's and i feel like they know too it's like did you brush right before you came here what did you think i wasn't gonna know like i feel like they know <laughs> and they know that i'm trying to like cheat my way through my through my six-month exam <laughs> <laughs> Over at Yankee Stadium, this is the first appearance of Mr. Wilhelm. I had to double check actually because I was I knew this character very well, but I was like, wait, have we seen him yet? And I, I don't I don't think we've seen him no, before. No, this is it. This is the first appearance of uh, George's supervisor, Mr. Wilhelm. And apparently someone has been stealing things from the organization. You know, small stuff at first, like uh, batting helmets and the uh, bat donuts, I think he mentions. But now and, they've and made bases. The base and bases was one oh, of the small things. Yeah, that's crazy. Like, I feel like that's a pretty important thing. Yeah, they probably do have a lot of them, but still, it's like <laughs> it's 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 yeah, it's a pretty crazy thing to steal. It's not exactly a batting helmet uh, or a ball or something. Mm -hmm. But this time they went in for a big score, and the stuff they stole is absolutely insane: a pitching machine, a batting cage, the infield tarp. I mean, the infield tarp has to be gigantic. Yeah, like how do you just steal that? <laughs> No. What what vehicle do you have that you can just tote away the infield tarp that belongs to the New York Yankees? Yeah, like I'm thinking about that thing that they that they need like 12 guys to roll out when yeah. it rains. Like that's, Th that's it, it, right? That's it. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> are, are we to think that like a, like a, a, a friggin' like heist crew? Stole this thing? Yeah, and, and plus the batting cage, too. Like, I, now I'm thinking of the thing that they kind of wheel out, <laughs> you know, wheel out before the game starts where, you know, it's, it's kind of um, 
you know, it got an overhang and it, it mm-hmm. keeps the ball inside during like practice swings and stuff like that. That's it. Uh, yeah. But that's like, also got to be gigantic. Uh, that That's that's big. But I can definitely see uh, like that being moved with maybe two people um, yeah. as, as, as few as two people. But that infield tarp, that's my God, that's at least going to be a 10 person job, I think. Yeah, yeah, I would think so too. But I love this as well. And all of George Steinbrenner's vitamins, all of Mr. Steinbrenner's vitamins. <laughs> so they were they were everywhere through the stadium. Like they, they yeah. weren't just down on the field; they were up in the clubhouse too. When they mention these three gigantic things, though, uh, it it's such a funny. I, I think of the vitamins on the same scale. Like there's, I don't know, um, twenty five to fifty. Uh, containers of vitamins. That's what I'm kind of picturing. Like because it is because he counts it as part of the big score. I don't count it. I don't think it's like you know five little yeah. jars. I think it's like you know twenty five to fifty something like that. It, it's it's the things that are keeping him alive. Yeah. And George, because his shower didn't take, is sweating profusely through this whole meeting, accusing essentially somebody in that room of being complicit in this robbery. And everyone kind of notices that George is is sweating profusely and kind of looks at him and notices that. Uh, Over in Manhattan East Medical Offices at 225 East 64th Street, as the address right on the front there says, uh, so it is now Norwell Health obstetrics and gynecologists mm, okay. so no dentist in there whatsoever i don't know if there ever was it's of course in the lennox hill neighborhood of the east side and it is for sale so i'm i'm thinking that norwell health is still there but if you're listening and you're a a patient they might be moving because it's on the market <laughs> it, it's a single tenant uh ten thousand five hundred square foot medical office and to me single tenant means one office goes in there so i think norwell's moving out and it's a uh, 13 million dollars Ooh, baby yeah Wow. Yeah, for 10,500 prime square feet there in Lenox Hill of medical office. And uh, it's at the bottom of a, a building that has 288 condominiums as well. Jeez. Yeah. Wait, is, is the whole building for sale or just, just that office? Just that. There may be a condo or two up in the, uh, I think it's called the Concord condominiums uh, above the medical uh, suites. But no, just, just the medical office is for wow. sale. Wow. Oh, yeah. my God. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting you can buy it and it's not being you know rented. I, I I don't know. This might be a good investment if you've got thirteen million lying around. <laughs> I do not. But then again, you know what I did notice it has been on the market for over like almost two hundred and fifty days, something like that. So maybe it's not that great. I don't know. I don't know what the Lennox Hill neighborhood is like. Or maybe yeah, I mean from what what we've both learned uh, probably over the last six months of real estate. Uh, in our crash courses of real estate, uh, yes. that that pretty much determines that uh, it, it could be a, a good area, it could be a good property, but the sellers are just completely unwilling to budge on price. Yeah, could be, could be. We'll see. Uh, we'll see once they hit you know in a hundred more days. Once they hit that year <laughs> mark, if they're willing to negotiate. Jerry's in the waiting room of Tim Watley and he sits down to wait for his appointment, and he notices there's a penthouse magazine in the waiting room, and there's also a guy in the waiting room reading a penthouse magazine and Jerry's kind of <laughs> yeah, disgusted. Not, not, not only is he reading it, he's tilting it sideways and he's like, Ooh. <laughs> yeah. The only sight gag that we needed, I don't know if penthouse had centerfolds. They must have. I mean, the centerfold seems like such a great use of <laughs> oh, oh, uh, yeah. they, physical media. They, they did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the only sight gag we were missing. But the only problem with centerfolds was they also had nudity on the back of them. So, <laughs> 
You know, we would have needed some like some stickers on the front, which would have ruined the fact that he has the penthouses in the first place. <laughs> it would have been I, funny if he had penthouse in there, but like had put stickers over all the dirty parts. I, I he puts like Mister Yuck stickers, <laughs> yeah, or, yeah. or like the the stickers. Like my, my dentist always gave me stickers. Like he always gave yeah. like the kids stickers. Like they were like uh, like happy smiling teeth or something. Um, yes. But like you, you just uh, all of those over like all the nipples, and <laughs> but like. Uh, so this one time, uh, this was right whenever uh, my friend turned eighteen. We all went to, we all went to like the the local convenience store, and it was a thing. Like whenever everyone turned eighteen, we all went and bought like our first uh, <laughs> adult magazine. Right? I think you've mentioned this. Yeah. I, have I mentioned it on the show? I, I feel like I ha- yeah maybe, but I don't know. Go, but go ahead. Okay. If if I if I have, uh, I'm sure someone will email me. I. Uh, <laughs> But he he walks in, uh, he grabs a penthouse, uh, rips off the plastic. The first the words out of his mouth are like, "I'm gonna see so many boobs." <laughs> rips it open to the centerfold. First thing he sees is a huge giant dick. Ah. <laughs> and you, yeah, you'll you you never forget your first. You know, <laughs> oh my that's god! That's your first experience, first legal experience. <laughs> <laughs> I think he has to register as gay now. I think he has to. Yeah. <laughs> well, d- I mean, from from what Jerry gets into in uh, in this next scene, I'm sure he would have to. Oh God. Um. Yeah. The next scene is is a <laughs> roller coaster. Get ready. But before that, um, I do want to mention because we're almost there. But this is uh, the December 1994 issue of Penthouse that Jerry has slid across the table which featured Paula Jones on the front, who people might remember as one of Bill Clinton's accusers. And it's called, uh, Paul, the, the uh, what is it called? The photo set is called Paula Jones, Clinton's accuser, getting lewd and nude. Oh, my and, God. <laughs> and this is kind of interesting because I don't know the situation, but these were semi-nude photos that Paula Jones' ex-boyfriend took. So I don't know if this was like huh. a like a kind of a sex tape leak kind of situation where he took the photos, so he owned the license or Was this or like with her consent? That's what I don't know. That's what I wonder. Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> holy I don't crap. Yeah, I don't think you'd be able to publish them without, but it does seem, you know, it, it does seem kind of weird. <laughs> Uh, but she did later pose for not that it makes uh, you know any prior revenge porn or whatever you want to call it um, okay, but she did later pose for a penthouse pictorial in 2000. Oh yeah, and God. the other uh, the other headline I saw on the cover was Adolf Hitler child molester. <laughs> Jesus so, Christ, this this magazine's all over the place. Sounds like a bombshell. I know. God. Uh, yeah. Ne- next, uh, are they going to talk about like how a woman in Montana married Bigfoot? <laughs> yeah i know the, it, it's not exactly the same article the same articles you might read playboy for you know? <laughs> <laughs> did you see adolf hitler child molester in the latest issue of penthouse sounds like a really bad movie yeah it does yeah <laughs> so open Jer- up in jerry's apartment it's at this point i don't know how many minutes in but when the second elaine said velvet fog i went oh no and i remembered what episode this was <sighs> This uh, this is where we're going to take a turn <laughs> um, and kind of really explore what this podcast is all about. And, and uh, oh. so <laughs> Elaine invites Jerry to an AMCA benefit with Mel Torme and AMCA is able mentally challenged adults. I don't know whether that's a real organization at all. I guess we can look it up for homework later. And 
Mel, uh, Mel Torme is singing. By the way, Superman's on the bookshelf. That's where I noticed that. And Elaine still needs a date. Jerry doesn't want to go because he doesn't want to, want to watch a man sing a song, which yeah. is weird. <laughs> it's like they get all emotional. They sway. It's embarrassing. <laughs> uh, but, but like, he, would he go to a concert or it I, sounds I, like no, I guess not. But like, I mean, you've seen you've seen the meme all over Twitter. Like, fellas, is it gay to look at a man's face? <laughs> no, I don't think I have seen. That. Really? Oh, my God. You need to search Twitter. Just fellas. Oh is gosh. it gay to and then just search for that because it's all just parodies of of people like being so like uh, underlying homophobia really yeah yeah <laughs> well jerry and elaine's like oh who's that guy who's what about that hot blonde guy at the gym or something like that and jerry is like elaine i really don't notice these things and he tells elaine that he can't find beauty in a man yeah <laughs> and that's when kramer enters the conversation and he's like, you know who's attractive? George Will. Uh, do you know who that is? I don't. Do no, you? me neither. Okay. Nope, more homework. <laughs> I think that's our and, first bit of homework for today, at least. Yeah, I'm going to look up ACMA, okay. but also George Will, <laughs> just to see um, if that who just who the hell that is, because they had like two or three jokes about George Will, and they were all lost on me. Um, Jerry tells... Elaine and, and Kramer about Tim Watley's waiting room having penthouse and I like that he says I, I like this he's like it's supposed to be a sterile environment like dirty <laughs> magazines are like actually dirty you know yeah. I, I, I like that but, but, uh, Jer- but Jerry did still look at the penthouse yeah, yeah. he's like oh of course I took a look <laughs> and Kramer uh, ever the horn dog is like well now I really can't wait for my appointment like he couldn't just go out and buy his own porn right now no you know? no he had to like, he had to sit in the waiting room and he yeah. even says i think it's here he says i may even just get there a few minutes early yeah i'm like, like he just has to sit there <laughs> looking at community porn yeah uh, in the waiting room of a dentist <laughs> yeah old issues old, too old, i mean <laughs> i mean i don't think that matters <laughs> yeah i guess not <laughs> Yeah, it's not like they're like vintage or anything, but still, I mean, if if Kramer is such a huge penthouse fan, he's probably seen him. You know, I picture him as the um the guy in the honk if you're horny skit from I think you should leave. I've seen <laughs> man, most of these, okay? Man, <laughs> man, I'm sorry, I'm just so horny. Man, <laughs> going through the trunk like I've seen most of these. All right, gosh. <laughs> um, so George comes in and Elaine asks about the blonde guy and. George can't say whether he's noticed this guy at the gym or not. And I love Elaine's line here. You know, she realizes she's around all these fragile men. She's like, you know, just admitting a man is handsome doesn't make you a homosexual. I love George's line. It doesn't help. Jesus. (laughs) It doesn't help not make him a homosexual. You know, I, I thought that was pretty funny. But also, I mean, it's like, yeah, guys like this who just seriously like, okay, you can't tell. You don't understand why women look at Channing Tatum and go, "He's attractive." Like you literally just don't know. You just can't figure that out. Like you, know? you, you it, with you, with your eyes, George. I get that you have glasses, but you cannot <laughs> tell any difference between uh, Chris Pratt, it, it fully jacked as Star Lord, and Jim Bob, who works at your local mechanic. Yeah, like you, like if you can tell uh, that a man is ugly. You can tell that a man's attractive because it's just the opposite of that, you know, and I don't think anybody I don't think this the the straightest toughest rolling coal guy out there wouldn't be able to look at a guy and go, oh, that guy's uh, what an ugly 
man that is. So you can obviously, <laughs> you know, you can obviously tell when a man is attractive. You don't have to be attracted to him, you know. But yeah, that's why I like absolutely. that Elaine used the word handsome because if she had said attractive, there is there's an attraction, you know. Did, in that. did she did she say handsome? I I wrote down that she said attractive. I went back and I was like, oh, interesting word choice. It's handsome. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And and I appreciated the, stink, the distinction there because, you know, obviously if you're like, oh, yeah, that guy's attractive. I'm attracted to him. You're like, well, okay, that's one thing. But like, <laughs> oh, sure, I get that that guy's handsome, you know. And you can say that a guy is attractive without meaning to yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, I can understand why women are attracted to him or whatever, yeah. you know. But it's just like the, the guys that are like, no, I can't tell when a guy is good. I don't know if a guy's good looking. Like. <laughs> You're, like how how would I know? Yeah, I'm yeah. like I don't know. You have <laughs> eyes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and George is has gone in with Jimmy on a case of those training shoes uh, that they're going to try to I guess sell around and and make some money. Meanwhile, at New York Health Club, Elaine is stretching in the middle of a room trying to get this hot blonde guy's attention. And he notices her and he smiles, but then he bolts while Elaine's eyes are closed before she goes in to make her move. Meanwhile, Jimmy is on the stair machine nearby and he starts telling her that he's into her. But since Jimmy talks in the third person, (laughs) Elaine assumes that he's talking about the other guy that was in the room. Hey, Jimmy's really into you. Jimmy's new in town. Jimmy's sweet on you. You're really Jimmy's type and stuff like that. And Elaine is is into it. And um, obviously, there's a huge misunderstanding. Uh, over at the dentist, Kramer is getting Novocaine, and he has kind of a little funny bit with uh, Mister Thirsty, Mister Thirsty, the um, yeah, you know, the little <laughs> the little saliva sucker at the New York Health Club. Kramer uh, has a pair of training shoes from Jimmy that he um, I don't know where he got these. Maybe he bought them from George once they came yeah, in. Did did they come in? Because I, I felt like that would have been a much bigger deal. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're, they're, it's ever mentioned that they got them. It's just that George went in on them with Jimmy. But Kramer has a pair now, and his mouth is also numb from the Novocaine. And Watley's practice is now, he's talking to Jerry about Watley's practice, or I guess Jerry, they're both talking about it. Mm-hmm. And Watley's practice is now adults only. <laughs> what, is, what, what dentist, what dentist is adults only? Yeah, it's very weird. Like that, that, that just seems like a big red flag. Yeah. Doesn't it? Like, yeah, like no kids allowed in. <laughs> I can understand if you don't. If you're not a dentist for children, a pediatric dentist, but that's not it. It's like no kids allowed inside where the <laughs> penthouse is. Like, yeah, it's it's very weird. And I think maybe even it was a Kramer in the scene before who who remarks that Tim Wadley is dressing kind of differently. Yeah, you know, he's like, oh, you're looking sharp. Yeah, he's got an earring now and stuff. Yeah, and and Tim is like, uh, uh, I do what I can. Yeah, and Kramer, meanwhile, because of the Novocaine, he can't drink water or anything like that because it just leaks right out, and he's drooling everywhere. Jimmy comes in, and he slips on Kramer's drool and lands on his back. Oh, my God, he does more than slips. He slips, <laughs> jumps, and for, for any wrestling fans out there, Jimmy takes a full-on back bump onto that locker room floor like he has a hang time with this yeah he does yeah it's very cartoony he does like he is vertical for uh and, and parallel to the floor for a, a long amount of time God. it's like whoa <laughs> if they could have found somebody who could flip and do that i bet they would have <laughs> whoa do, do a full backflip and land on his face totally yeah totally. absolutely so cut back to the New York Health Club. Jimmy is on a on a stretcher and he's very angry at Kramer for putting him out of commission. Jimmy holds grudges, he yells. And now George is worried about the sneaker biz because 
Jimmy can't jump. And that's what was selling all of these sneakers, apparently, is how high he could jump and how he did it by wearing these shoes. Out on the street, Kramer is still wearing his trainers. And so these things, I remember these shoes. Have you ever seen these before? Not these specifically, but like I've seen, um, I think even in the last like 10 years, Skechers made a pair of something like these. They were uh, shape ups, I think. Oh, Um, yeah. Not for training, but they were just for like building your calf muscles. Like yeah, where, and then where, it, and where, then, where like the ball of your foot was was raised up like half an inch. Yeah, but then they had to admit that all of that was bullshit. Do you remember? No, I didn't remember <laughs> that. Oh my god. Oh yeah, yeah. They were like, um, the shoes don't actually work out any muscles. We're sorry. We uh, <laughs> we're sorry. We said that. <laughs> I never heard any of that. Oh my god. I remember because I want to say Kim Kardashian was in commercials for shape ups and she was like get a butt like mine i mean not in so many words but that's what she was implying and then sketchers had to come out and say yeah just walking in these doesn't really do anything sorry (laughs) it might have been part of a lawsuit or or false advertising or something that somebody actually called them on but um yeah so what these look like if, if you haven't seen the episode are you know they look like normal high tops but in the front basically in the front all the way back to like the middle of the sole they have a they're like raised on a platform and so i guess the idea is that you're constantly kind of trying to balance on that front platform and not use your heel at all and so you're really working out that that calf muscle i guess is is the way they worked and i remember some that also you could fill with sand or water so you could like they would be weighted as well hmm. oh yeah. wow okay yeah and kind of you know so just kind of like a bat donut or something like we were talking about earlier uh, he tries to hail a cab and a guy grabs it first but he sees uh, and here's Kramer, you know, slurring, mm-hmm. and he sees that he's wearing some kind of special shoes. And the guy starts talking very slowly and being very nice to Kramer. And Kramer suggests they share the cab. And so, oh my God. <laughs> is this where you want to come in? Yeah. So, the jo- what is the joke here? If not that, ha, he's mentally challenged. Yes. That's the joke that Kramer, you know, his. his his lip is, you know, he can't speak, you know, properly and it's kind of, yeah. And also that he's wearing these shoes and walking uh, kind of funny and stuff. So yeah, the, the man mistakes him for being mentally challenged. Yeah. We, we learn, uh, we, in the cab, we learn that this guy is, his name is Arnold Deans Fry because Kramer, uh, says, uh, well, why don't, why don't we share the cab? Why don't we ride in the cab together through his, through his slurred speech that I am yeah. not going to uh, mimic right here. Good idea. Uh, that, <laughs> Uh, Even and, I know. and and Arnold Dean's fry is like that's a great idea, and uh, he, he's complimenting Kramer. Uh, is, is it is this the cab scene or do they come back to the cab? This is the cab scene, right? This is the cab scene. Okay, but he's complimenting Kramer. He's like, you're you're so independent, and Kramer just no sells it. He has no idea like uh, anything is going on. Yeah, I love that he's like, hey, you're not doing too bad yourself. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Back to Arnold Dean's Fry. By the way, as they get in a cab and it starts moving, they go past Michael's Muffins again. I feel like this is the third or fourth time (laughs) we've seen. It's becoming like Superman now. I'm going to point out Michael's Muffins every time because it it literally has been in, I think, four episodes, if not more. Oh, my God. So it's like they took one B-roll of one cab. And now anytime anyone's in a cab, guess where they're going? Past Michael's Muffins. Or maybe the cab driver in canon is a huge Michael's Muffins fan. And <laughs> you like, might have, why did we stop for some muffins? Yeah. Every single ride. Hey, yeah. Can we get some muffins? 
<laughs> it could be. But I think also anytime, it, I think there's been times when someone's driving a car and they go past Michael's Muffins. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm going to keep an eye out for it now. All your Michael's Muffin sightings are being tracked now. <laughs> um, at uh, Manhattan Sports Store, which is next to, it doesn't have an address on it, but I noticed it was next to a place called Susie's Nails. Or oh, I'm sorry, not Nails. I think it's just called Susie's Nail, actually. Huh. Um, and one, maybe they didn't have room nail. for salon. Just one yeah, nail. One nail. <laughs> one nail. Which one do you want? Um, and it's at, I noticed, 2188. So with a simple Google search of Susie's Nail 2188, I found out it's 2188 Broadway. And uh, Susie's is now at 252 West 72nd, which I think is actually where near my buddy Nick used to live. I could be wrong, but I, I think he used to live in that neighborhood. Yeah. So uh, looking at Google, this is kind of a crazy coincidence. Looking at Google Street View, Susie's Nail, of course, has moved. And whatever sports store was there is now Stand Up New York, a stand-up comedy club. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> like, I've actually heard of this place. You know, it's like just one of the many comedy clubs in New York City. Stand Up New York. Pretty crazy. Meanwhile, George, who is in there trying to sell some of these shoes, is trying them on. And you can tell he's, like, kind of stalling for as long as he can before he has to demonstrate the <laughs> shoes. He's like, and... um as you'll be able to see that he's like just talking very slowly to a, a mm -hmm. bunch of like salespeople and he completely fails at jumping and completely fails at selling. They all walk off once they see that George cannot jump a lick. And did you notice like the extras they got to play the employees of the sports store? Like none of them look like they have played a sport in the last <laughs> 20 years. I didn't notice. They're all like older. There's like, uh, nah. A guy who had like a horseshoe, like of hair. There's like a guy with a big old gut. I'm like, look, I'm not saying that you have to be an athlete to work at a sports <laughs> store, but like, I would maybe judge your opinion like better if you were on like what I should buy. Yeah, yeah, that's that's probably a pretty good, pretty good advice. Yeah, it's like <laughs> a, like hiring a personal trainer, anybody who's going to tell you anything about being healthy or a dietitian or whatever you know it's like you want them to also be in good shape <laughs> but i did appreciate how how much taller they were than oh George. my god I love yeah. that they got these people look seven feet tall like i know jason <laughs> alexander isn't tall already but they made him look even smaller which was great just a great visual and over in jerry's apartment kramer uh, announces that he is going to be the guest of honor at the mel torme benefit that elaine is going to as well and uh i want to point out uh, like a little cinematography here we see the kitchen wall extension as kramer goes to the couch he kind of like does a little dance about mel torme and we see like that part of the kitchen wall that is just for occasions like this where the camera like kind of goes past where the cabinets end and it's not something that you see often in the show but when you know i did see it i was like hey there's that there's that mysterious wall, you know, <laughs> it's like it's not the fourth wall. It's like the third and a half wall or something. Yeah, like yeah. That. <laughs> um, and he, this is interesting too. Kramer kicks his feet up on the coffee table. And in the first shot, there is tape over the sole so that it covered up like some sort of brand name or something. Then when really? the, it goes back to Jerry and Elaine for a second and then the tape is gone in the second shot. And you can see it just says the word strength on it. Huh? Yeah, I, I thought I, it was weird. I noticed the word strength. I didn't notice uh, tape covering up a, a brand name or anything before. Yeah, it, I found it odd because they're obviously Nikes. You can see from other shots of the shoes, they didn't do any effort to cover those up. So the tape over the sole, I was like, that's weird. Um, and then it was gone. Hmm. So a weird little jump cut there. Yeah. So Elaine, so Elaine and Jerry are trying to figure out why Kramer has 
is the guest of honor, and, and he met Arnold Deansfry, the head of the ACMA, and Jerry puts the pieces together that Dean Fry thinks or that or Dean Fry thinks that Kramer is mentally challenged. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, and Jerry, I did think this was kind of funny where he's like, well, you know, <laughs> and Elaine is like, what are you going to do when you show up? He's going to see that you're not. And she stops herself in the middle of the sentence, realizing just how funny it sounds. Cause great. Cause Jerry jumps right in. Well, not necessarily. Jesus. Know? And like, I tried to, I tried to like make this better in my mind. Like I th- I think that's probably my role in this podcast. Like <laughs> I never want to say Ted it was a different time, but I at least want to elevate it into some sort of comedy yeah. era area, you know, and like I I, I want to put like kind of turn it around to Arnold Dean's Fry and maybe to Mel Torme later where there's a movie, let I me mean, what what movie is it where there's a guy who like doesn't talk at all. And so people just like project onto him what they kind of want him to be and all of a sudden he's like this genius but he never says anything and and everyone thinks he's like so smart and he gets women that way Hmm. just by like and he doesn't even know god i'm trying to remember what movie this is oh oh wait it almost came to me no it's gone Uh, Um, okay uh i I might have to look it up next but so i was like i was trying to put it on like is arnold dean's fry does he just have like confirmation bias where like kramer didn't do it kramer wasn't making fun the show might be the show might be making fun of mentally challenged people. I'll give you that. I will. Um, I might even take "might be" out of it. You know, I, I think. That, when, I think they definitely are with it with this episode for sure. But within the context of the show, Kramer was not making fun of anybody, and he didn't even know that that was the game uh-huh. until Elaine and Jerry kind of explained it. And, and even then, after that, he doesn't care or doesn't even think that's it. <laughs> you know, and, and also there is something wrong with Kramer, whether it's, you know, whether he is an able mentally challenged adult is a different debate. But I'll agree with Jerry in this scene, too, that like, well, hang on, <laughs> let's not say he's not mentally challenged, you know, um, but within the context of the show, I, you know, I don't think Kramer did any. I don't think anybody's doing anything wrong. I think the show is doing something wrong. Yeah, I, I think I think this is this is on the writers. This, this is not on like the characters. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're saying the same thing. Okay. Yeah. It's it's that like if they if they hadn't I think there's a way to do this episode without making fun of mentally challenged people. Yeah. Th- there's and, there's definitely a way to do this where the joke is not simply ha ha he's mentally challenged. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. It's not ha ha. You know they they look different and they walk differently and uh-huh. they talk differently. Like let's laugh at that. I think there's a way to do it and maybe and maybe do it in the way that movie that I'm talking about. God, I wish I could remember what it was. You're going to remember um, it literally the second I like stop the recording. Probably. probably. Uh, the word Mort keeps coming into my head and I don't know why, but it's not Mort. But I think it I think that is similar to the character's name. But what's funny about that is everybody who thinks they're these bright intellectuals and sexy women or whatever are made to look dumb because because they're completely just mistaking, you know, their their confidence is getting in the way of seeing this guy for what he really is, which is just someone who's not talking at all. And so they're made the joke. Like, you'd have to make this where Arnold Deans Fry and Mel Torme are the joke, but that's not how it's played at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. Um, especially at the end. Like, we, oh. we get to this scene at the end. We'll, oh we'll, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. <laughs> oh. I'm laughing already. Um 
at the dentist. Let's go to the dentist. Tim Watley, uh, you know, is putting Jerry under for uh, his cavity. And before he gives Jerry the nitrous, he takes a big old huff of it. And then Jerry notices that it's a different assistant. And so Tim Watley talks about how, oh, yeah, my other assistant is this other dentist. We love swapping. And he's also wearing like a big flowy silk shirt. And Jerry's face turns to concern as they lower, begin lowering the seat, and Tim Watley and the assistant trade knowing glances. <laughs> <laughs> Over at Yankee Stadium, George is eating some lunch, and it happens to be Kung Pao, which Kramer remarked uh, earlier in an episode. He took a bite of some Kung Pao, and it was super spicy. And so George starts sweating from the food as the phone rings, and he starts having a conversation about selling athletic gear. But, of course, we know he's talking about these training shoes. But mm-hmm. Wilhelm, who walks in in the middle of the conversation, you know, George hangs up right away when he sees Wilhelm and he's sweating. And Wilhelm accuses him of being a terrible liar and having something to do with the equipment that's disappeared. To which George just replies, it's the chicken. And he's like, George likes his chicken spicy. <laughs> yeah, he's talking in the third person like Jimmy. Uh, back at the dentist, Jerry comes to in an empty room. and Well, not it's not empty. He comes to, but he sees... A blurry Tim Watley and a blurry assistant, and they're both buttoning up their shirts and putting their clothes back on. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Over at Monk's, Jerry is telling Elaine, oh boy, I want to see if you had the same problem I had with this scene. This is another one. Jerry's telling Elaine that, you know, about, you know, he saw them getting dressed up and he thinks his shirt had been untucked yeah he, th- he thinks and... he went in with it tucked and it was untucked whenever whenever he came to and J- jerry has the line i was spitting out and rinsing like there was no tomorrow <laughs> and yeah okay i'm i feel i feel like this is the line that you felt was troubling elaine says so you were violated by two people while you were under the gas so what yeah that's the first that line would have been bad enough oh you were violated so what and she goes you're single here's the line i have a problem with jerry says i'm damaged goods Uh, is there any worse message to send to victims of sexual assault that you're damaged goods i I, i'm like (laughs) this uh, this this episode is so egregious like they they just literally (laughs) took one episode (laughs) and got out Every fucking bad thing <laughs> they could do and just yeah. crammed it all into 22 minutes. How is this possible? <laughs> I mean, I've only like read accounts from victims of molestation about about specifically that, you know, feeling like, you know, you're, you're damaged goods and just how much therapy it takes to get over. And they're just they're just playing it for a laugh. I don't think we're being too sensitive. You know, no, I, I don't. I don't think we're like. I don't think we're being like snowflakes or anything here. I think this is actually pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, I, I can. I can just feel the tweets and emails being written and and let them fly if you think we are. But like, I don't think we are. <laughs> Another line Jerry throws out is: "Is this a? Is this guy a dentist or Caligula? Did, where did that line land on you?" Uh, uh, the the only reference I have of Caligula is uh hedonism bot from futurama (laughs) yes yeah here's the funny um the funny uh sort of crossroads that that reference brings of course caligula was a uh, i guess a roman emperor who was known for these yeah hedonistic parties and and you know wild sex and drinking like that bob what's his name bob guccione from penthouse magazine 
actually either produced <laughs> or like straight up directed a movie called Caligula that was pretty salacious back in the day because it was basically like a penthouse produced movie and it and it was like high production value it was like if you made i'm trying to think i know there's been movies you know it was it was like straight up x rated yeah. but it but it was made like a hollywood movie and so <laughs> it was one of these movies that you could go see in in you know in theaters but it, it like brought it was like mainstream porn it was as mainstream what, as porn got what was this guy's um, name again bob guccione if his if his nickname wasn't the gooch then he's <laughs> missing out on something yeah the gooch bob the gooch guccione <laughs> i'm sure he was called that <laughs> At some point, but like like Caligula is played by Roddy McDowell or something crazy like that. Like it had real actors in it, but it was just like you know their their attempt to make you know a, a kind of like I guess we were talking about Midnight Cowboy being rated X as well initially, but then backing that off. But there's there's no way you back off Caligula being mm-hmm. anything you know besides a, a porn movie. But it was like just a very high production value Hollywood porn movie. So Elaine tells Jerry that she got a date with Jimmy, and Jerry's puzzled he's like what are you like jimmy don't isn't he annoying he talks in the third person all the time and that clues elaine in to the fact that oh no that's the guy that gave me jimmy's nah and she realizes that she's going with that guy not the guy that she thought jimmy was talking about who (laughs) is not named jimmy after all uh george comes in meanwhile and he has to see steinbrenner and he is talking like jimmy he starts saying you know george he he starts talking in the third person now with jerry calls him out on do you think he was doing it on purpose to try to like introduce a new i think he had to have been right i i don't think he was doing it on purpose because he doesn't know that he's doing it yeah but i think he just was worried about being called out on it you know because i think we've seen him like mimic i think he thinks jimmy is cool and i think he thinks jimmy is cool in the same way that elaine's dan cortez boyfriend was cool how he like put his hat on backwards and stuff whenever he was around him okay yeah I, 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 it may be a mix of both, but I think he just really doesn't want to be called out by Jerry for, you know, trying to be like Jimmy. Cause Jerry, Jerry, I think is a little je- jealous of Jimmy. Hmm. If I could spit that out. Yeah. I, I jealous of Jer- J- Jimmy. <laughs> well, one more time there. Jerry's jealous of Jimmy. There you go. <laughs> because George thinks he's so cool and no, and Jerry's not supposed to be cooler than anybody in George's eyes, according to Jerry. I yeah. Think, you know, <laughs> Uh, but maybe it's a little mix of both. You know, a little. He's hoping to become cooler uh, subconsciously at the New York Health Club. Elaine is tr- about to try to let Jimmy down easy about the mix up and and you know get out of the date with him. But Jimmy, uh, first of all, says that Jimmy doesn't take misunderstandings well, which is kind of scary. <laughs> yeah, what what does he mean by that? <laughs> I think we're gonna see later. I think Jimmy has a rage problem. <laughs> But Jimmy also points out the hot blonde guy, Hank, has a new boyfriend. So it really wouldn't have been an option for Elaine. Anyway, Elaine even mentions that in in the third person, Elaine tried to, uh, what did she say, convert one of them once. And Elaine's not going to go through that again or something like that. (laughs) Did you catch like Jimmy's line here? It's almost like it's almost like the writers are trying to like make up for other things in this episode because uh, Jimmy has the line. Jimmy's not threatened by Hank's sexuality. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that's maybe why, even though I think Elaine probably would have gotten out of the date and been happy just fine. But I think that maybe harkens back to what a problem the other guys had with even pointing out that a man is handsome. She's like, oh, maybe this guy is like a little more mature than my friends that I'm used to hanging out with. Maybe I will give him a shot (laughs) for that reason. Maybe that's why it kind of turned around. Um, And she was like, well, okay, whatever. Maybe it's at least worth one shot. Uh, So at the Marriott Marquis, 
Kramer and Elaine are waiting in line to get into the benefit. Jimmy shows up and he is enraged when he sees Kramer. We, we do know that he holds grudges. Yes. And uh, for, for putting Jimmy out of commission, he punches Kramer right in the jaw. And he ends up being pulled off Kramer, dragged out of the uh, banquet hall. And Kramer's lip is swollen. <laughs> so get ready. <laughs> Y'all ready for this? Do, 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 oh, do, no. Do, do, do. <laughs> I don't know why I had to break into that. (laughs) Um, Inside the banquet hall, Kramer is not only disheveled after the fight. I I noticed that, you you know, his collar is up and and this tie is kind of, you know, off kilter a little bit. And I think that's playing into the the huge gag here. And because his his lip is swollen and he's slurring again uh, with Mel Torme. Yeah, and he he tells he tells the Velvet Fog that he's been living alone for a while now, and Mel Torme is just like, well, I think that's the tops. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I mean, they got somebody literally from the Rat Pack for this episode. You know, it's like you couldn't get anybody who was you know born after World War One to be in this. Uh, you know, it, it just seemed like. Even in the 1990s, Mel Torme was like, I don't know. Maybe it's because he's always been my least favorite crooner of that era. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you, yeah. Know, you got Sinatra, Dean Martin. Mel Torme always seemed like C-team at best, you know? <laughs> he was the backup um, guy. Yeah. He, he, uh, he, was, he was the local and regional tour of the Rat Pack. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's he, like, if you, if you can't get anybody, you can get Mel Torme. He's like when Kinky Boots comes to, like, town of 10,000 people. <laughs> yeah. He, he's, he's in the ensemble of that show. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what even his... Because, you know, they all had, like, a signature song. And I'm trying to remember what Mel Torme's was... Um, yeah, but you'd heard, you'd heard of him before this episode, right? Just as nope. a nope, no, no. Nope. Oh wow! Well, that's kind of a shock now. Okay, because I, I thought he just entered. You know, like I thought he was up there with Sinatra and Dean Martin and and Sammy Davis Jr. and all those guys. I mean, but, I, I got the idea whenever like yeah. he started talking, uh, but no, I had never heard of him. Oh, interesting. All right, maybe we'll have to do a little. I'll at least try to figure out what Mel Torme's big song was. Okay. but yeah, I, I know he like he was like yeah he was a C team Rat Packer. I think from from back in the day, but um, over at Yankee Stadium, George is called into Steinbrenner's office, and he ends up confusing Steinbrenner by talking to the third person, <laughs> saying George wouldn't steal from the Yankees. And Mr. Steinbrenner, who you know probably calls himself George, goes, "I know, I wouldn't do that. I own the team." And but George keeps talking like that, and it confuses Steinbrenner until George says it's time for George is time for George's lunch, and George Steinbrenner gets his lunch out and starts talking about that, and George is off the hook. George Costanza's off the hook. George Steinbrenner just gets sidetracked immediately. Uh, yeah, almost, almost like he he can't think of two things simultaneously. He can only think like of one thing at a time. Yeah, and I love I love their character of George Steinbrenner because, you know, not only does he take millions of vitamins, but also a man worth a billion dollars packs his own lunch and it's a bologna <laughs> sandwich and he's upset when it doesn't have cheese on it. And I love no, just what not, a, not only a bun- not only that, but like either he couldn't remember what he made for lunch that day or <laughs> the person who made his lunch for him made him a bologna and cheese sandwich or no a bologna sandwich right yeah and i think he does say like what well she forgot the cheese again i think he mentions a she or something like that um did did she forget the cheese or, oh no you know it was bologna and cheese she forgot the the mustard that's it yeah yeah <laughs> the, su- the sweet mustard i think it was oh yeah i just love that they make him like a bumbling every man you know who's not like he's not a billionaire he's just some bumbling guy who packs a sack lunch 
you know, and, and gets confused so easily. <laughs> I think that's hilarious. Back at the Marquee Marriott, Mel dedicates a song to Kramer. I didn't recognize this song, but he's singing it. And this is a scene that I'm talking about where I'm like, is this, this is where I was still kind of grappling. I'm like, all right, is this funny? Who is this making fun of? And I think the biggest evidence that that I've matured and, and grown as a person from 1995 or whatever, <laughs> and the biggest indicator that this episode is problematic is the studio audience is absolutely losing their shit they, for five minutes oh straight. Oh my God, they are wheezing at this. This song went on so long it went on and i'm like this seems too long and i think that's evidence that it's not it wasn't funny it shouldn't have been funny in the first place and it's not funny now like even even if it was funny it went on too long like you're probably right typically whenever you have a scene of like someone singing a song to someone it's (laughs) like a little bit of build-up chorus that's it there are multiple fucking verses to this thing yeah, they could have come in on the last chorus or whatever, and yeah, you're right. It would have been the right length, probably. But yeah, I think. I mean, but don't tell the studio audience the scene was too long, Ted, because they laugh till the bitter end. God damn! <laughs> I was like, Good lord, this. Uh, wow. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> this is the scene that that kind of solidified in my mind. Like, oh, okay, th- this is what this is pretty good evidence that this is problematic. This is not comedy. <laughs> you know, this is. This is laughing at people who have, yeah. This, this, this yeah. is la- this is laughing at mentally challenged people. What, yes, what, like, th- there's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. No, no. Th- this is not laughing at, at Mel Torme mistaking Kramer for, uh, you know, a, a mentally challenged person. This is, yeah. yeah. Th- this, 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 is, is, this is total like, haha, he's different than me. <laughs> this is what it is on the surface. And so freeze frame on Mel Torme and Kramer. We do get a little epilogue. Out on the street, Kramer buys a penthouse, I guess because he's just, you know, still so horny from his visit to the dentist. (laughs) And he goes right to the forum, which we do know that Kramer is a fan of penthouse forum and starts reading a forum letter from a dentist that kind of echoes Jerry's experience at Tim Wadley's dentist. Yeah, it was uh, it was a letter from a dentist who had some fun with his hygienist and a patient. And oh, boy. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that would be. It. Are are there letters in penthouse forum about crimes? Like this seems know. like like would they I, publish I, a letter straight up about a rape? Like I I I, I don't think they would be able to. I I, I don't yeah. see. I don't see how they'd be able to. Yeah, they, they would I be implicated in the crime if they did. I think so. Yeah, I mean, like they would have to report. Like, believe me, I'm sure they get those letters. Like, ah, this woman I work with didn't used to talk to me, but then I met her in the parking garage or whatever. I never Jesus thought this would happen Christ. to me. Yeah, I'm sure they do get those or did whenever it was being published and hopefully reported them. But um, yeah, th- this I would think that would would not fall under their, you know. I think there would be some editorial process where this would get <laughs> crossed out. You know, let's not publish that one. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, ob- obviously, this is not a good episode. Did it have some laughs? Like, yes, all Seinfeld episodes have some laughs. Mm-hmm. But I think you know, just just the just the subject matter makes this a bad episode. Uh, yes. Is that your? Is that where you're landing on it? Yeah. Exactly. Hundred percent. Like you. You you had a couple laughs though, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, sure. I I I liked I liked the Jimmy character. I really did. Um, <laughs> yeah. But and I I liked uh, I definitely liked the scene of George like trying to sell the shoes and, and everything yeah. like that. But geez, there's just there's way too much in this episode 
to forgive it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And and it's not even that like, look, if it, if it was funny and problematic, I'd admit it. But it's not, you know? <laughs> it, it's like mediocre if I was, and problematic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like the jokes just don't land anymore because what I guess was <laughs> evidently hilarious in the 90s just isn't funny. You know, and mm-hmm. if it was if it was funny and problematic, I'd admit it, but it it wasn't to me. <laughs> yeah, and and for for the inevitable email that I already know who it's going to come from that, <laughs> that we're overreacting on this and like oh, it's funny then it's still funny now no it's fucking not like I'm sorry that our sense of humor has evolved in the last twenty years. Yeah, please please yeah let the emails and tweets fly like I said, but good luck defending it. God damn. Yeah. I, I, I welcome people trying to defend this piece of shit. Yeah. Try to try to do it without I'm I'm gonna put a bar on any you can't say it was a different time. Yeah. You, there, you're not allowed to use any there, phrase or variation there, like that. I, I welcome thoughtfully written out uh criticisms to our review of this, uh and that if you include the lines, it was a different time, or if you include the words snowflake, we will immediately delete it because that is not a well-thought written response. True. Uh, and that's the end of the episode. <laughs> uh, okay. So what do we got for homework? Uh, we got ACMA. We're going to find out if that's a real organization. My guess is no, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. George Will, who is that? And is he attractive? Um Caligula, I'll talk a little bit about uh, Caligula uh, via Penthouse, maybe, and Mel Torme, just do a brief, a brief dive, a very shallow dive on, on Mel Torme. The Got it. Vlog. And uh, let's, uh, let's see if we can come up with a better description. So we had uh, George's new basketball teammate brings him into a new business deal. Hmm. I, I don't hate it because it doesn't, uh, probably for good reason, it doesn't tell you what's <laughs> going on in this episode. Yeah, in fact, yeah, it's the only non-problematic part of this episode because anything else would involve Kramer and the mistake that everyone makes about him and then being um, felt up or whatever by your dentist. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> the, the, this is the C storyline, pretty much. Or, well, no, I guess yeah. I guess this is the B storyline. Um, I, I, I would say Jerry and Tim Watley is the C. I'll uh, go with that. But... Yeah, this is the only non-problematic thing that happens in in the entire episode. Yeah, and at least Jimmy plays into the he plays into Kramer's storyline as well. That's you know? true. That's true. He does. So yeah, I, I'm fine with it actually. <laughs> I'm right. kind of surprised, but I'm fine with it. Okay, so options that we had for cover art, I had Elaine telling Jimmy that, or no, I I like Elaine introducing herself to Jimmy and like Jimmy's pretty sweet on you. There was. Kramer running out trying to catch a cab uh, and stomping because of his uh, his training shoes. Oh, and there was Jimmy getting taken out by security at the at the Marriott Marquis. That's pretty. I'm gonna go with Kramer hailing the cab. Okay, that's my vote. I'm gonna try and find something in that scene to use as the cover art. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. So so next week we have got season six, episode nineteen, the Doodle. Original air date, April 6th, 1995, so it's skipping forward a few weeks now. Uh, If you're looking at TV Guide that night, you are going to see George is upset by a girlfriend's artistic rendering of him, and semicolon, Jerry's flea-infested apartment forces his parents into Elaine's luxury hotel suite. 
I love this. I, I love this. Uh, that's a really. I, I, we won't have any problem with it at the end of next week's episode. I think that's a very well written uh, synopsis. It, it's it's well written. I'm just wondering if it gives away too much. Right. That's the only problem. Yeah. We we might do some editing, making it shorter. Is that it? That's it. All right. For no hugging, no learning. I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hollowell. Be good. Be good.